2: connect
1: to
0: more Can't control my brain. Finally got my haircut.
3: It's a great day to be alive. You're halfway there.
0: Sun is shining in Missoula, Montana and you're listening to Nuwana is now your one stop shop. All things sports and pop culture every day around the Treasure State right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula statewide SWX Montana television And you can find us anywhere on planet Earth, either on the YouTube channel... We're looking pretty on YouTube, I'm sure. I'm wearing Tutel's old shirt. This is where we've regressed to in life. I'm gonna get rallying that still ESPN. I need to get some to
3: ESPN swag. So, so you're not only listening to Tutel CDs, you're wearing <laughs> you're wearing his old clothes. I'm kind of worried about what these next couple of years are. I mean, if I be. was only
0: on the road trip that he embarked on today, I'd be sitting in a lot better shape. But uh, happy to be here with you. I am Colter Nuanas. We are broadcasting live from the ESPN studios right here in the beautiful Garden City but also anywhere around the great state of Montana on SWX Montana. If you want to find the live stream, it's easy. 1029ESPN.com. Just mark it as a favorite. It's on your page. It's going to get you the live stream, the podcast, all the things you need to know that's going on here at the station. If you click on the Listen Live tab, you find the stream. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your, your uh, opportunity. They are the presenter of the live stream. Phone number? Give us a call today, 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. You're getting used to it now. It's a Tuesday. That means Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me today. We're going to have a whole different complexion to this show. Uh, yesterday, uh, a lot of college hoops, a lot of Martin Luther King Day, a lot of NFL. Today, we're going to talk a lot of high school hoops. Going to kick it off with a conversation that we didn't quite have time for yesterday about athletes that come out of the city of Missoula and how that's different than a lot of the other cities around the state of Montana, particularly when it comes to becoming basketball versus football Division One prospects. I think it's an interesting and good conversation. I have some theories. We also are going to hear from Brooks New on us. Last week's show got so jam-packed and, and jammed up that we didn't get to hear from Brooks on a couple pertinent topics. One, Jeff Choate not getting hired as Boise State's head coach. What that means for the Big Sky Conference, particularly in this state, uh, the greatest rivalry and the fiercest rivalry in the West, the Cackers rivalry, the Grizz Cat rivalry, whatever you want to call it. And also just what it means for Montana State football. And then the other one, smart Torrey going to Nebraska. Ryan and I have talked about it. You heard from Parker Gabriel last week, a beat writer for Nebraska football there in Lincoln, and his take on it. But Brooks had some thoughts on it as well. And then a couple thoughts on the spring um, season, or that I guess lack thereof, the, the opting out of the spring season by the Montana schools. Got our Treasure State Stars. Half a dozen. I actually, made it about eight of them today because you know I'm a generous guy. But highlight some of the best performances from around the state. In the second hour, it's a Tuesday, so you're going to hear from Justin Angle. He is a business professor at the University of Montana. It is a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. We're going to talk about Coke and Pepsi, LeBron James, Super Bowl commercials, high-profile athletic director jobs, and the maybe financial downfalls of not having the spring season in montana and finally of course we got to do some nfl both legacies for quarterbacks and picks against the spread and you already know it's tagliari tuesday as well so we got tagliari sandwich for you actually in fact we'll give you a gift card for 25 bucks enough for probably two and a half of those sandwiches so we'll get you all well on your way to um enjoying missoula's best deli so you're going to want to remember that 361-3688 you can call or text What's up, Corcoran? How you living?
3: Uh, I'm doing great. You know, it it feels like we got our feet underneath us. A great Martin Luther King Day yesterday. So many great conversations around it. I'm getting ready to go out on the road to Sacramento. That's going to be interesting. Uh, Interesting in the sense of once I land there, I'm going straight to my hotel room for the whole time. You can't go do anything there, probably. No dine-in, anything. It's... uh, it's planning your takeout orders now. We've got the itinerary yeah. and head. Down. There will be two places I'll be in my hotel room in Sacramento and at the Nest, the cozy findings the of the Nest. nest.
0: <laughs> Population nine hundred on a good day, but it yeah. will be less than that this weekend. But what's your thought on Sacramento? Sacramento gets a bad rep. I kind of like Sacramento, though. There is, I mean, I get that it's not the um, shining SoCal that everybody loves, the LA and and San Diego and all that. But I think that there's such. Great diversity there. And so if you, if you. If you do some research, you can find some pretty darn
3: good hole in the walls. I mean, I had the best Chinese food I ever had in my life. Chinese food? In Sacramento. I had the best Mexican food that I've had there in a long time. It was was good for our football trip down there. I like Sacramento, but just as you're saying, you have to find the right pockets of Sacramento. A lot of people have said, oh, it's the armpit of California and everything. No, I'm not in that camp. I don't know if it's the best big sky city to travel to, but I'm there. And this also poses a great question, one that we could go on for a whole show about. If you had to rank big sky cities, Man. as far as where you want to go. Where does Sacramento and Portland kind of fit in? Because those are different. It's not really the college town feel that you get with all the well, other. Well, that's places. the
0: whole thing. It's two two categories, right? You're either right. talking cities or college towns. Right. And then there's a couple places like Ogden and Pocatello that are stuck in the middle, and they're <laughs> neither one, and that's unfortunate. I obviously love me some Missoula and Bozeman. I've chosen to make my whole life here and I feel so fortunate to have the opportunity to at least part time live between both towns. You know, still have a spot there with my brother in Bozeman as well. And, and those two, they got to be right up there as, as far as a couple of the best college towns anywhere. But flagstaff, not, probably. I, I love know, Flag. Yeah. I love Flag. My family's from Northern Arizona, so I've always had an affinity for Flagstaff. Love Flagstaff. Um, but I've always enjoyed Portland and Sacramento as well. I, you know, here's the thing, man. It's like we were talking about yesterday with, with, um, diversity and meshing of cultures and, and learning to get on the same page. If you get to know people, you're probably going to like them. It's just like if you get to know a place, you're probably going to like it. Everybody dogs on Pocatello. I got three spots in Pocatello that are my go-to spots. I love them. And they're, I, I'm excited to go there
3: anytime I go there. That's exactly where I'm at with Greeley. There's a, there's a couple great watering For sure. Watering and Greeley, holes. you could go to Fort Collins on the way back and you're in one of the best places in the world. And they've got some really good, about 8% IPAs down in Greeley too. Highly would recommend But yeah, you find your spots and you like it, especially when you go once a year. I dig the travel part of my job a lot And I think a lot of people as you get older maybe wouldn't But of course this is us we're, we're stemming off into different categories But I tell you what I I enjoy going to all the big sky cities for once a year For a couple of days Sacramento, we'll see It'll be a different feel of Sacramento this time
0: One of the only places in the big sky I didn't like Period There's nothing about it that I liked Cedar City. Grand Forks, North Dakota. Oh, God. Grand Forks, North Dakota. That's because the two times I went there, it was in November, and I swear to you, it was negative a million degrees. When the wind blows there and there's no mountains, it's like, what is going on? People in Montana, it's here. It's colder than most places in in the United States, in Montana. It ain't nothing compared to Flatland, North Dakota.
3: Not at all. Do you remember the name Salvo Copa? Salvo I do. Coppa was an assistant coach on Montana State women's basketball team, I right? do, yeah. So, like the
0: most handsome man in the world. Unbelievable, He looked, like, yeah. looked like
3: John Stamos. 100%, yeah. Wow, great, great. He was at MSU when I was there my first year, and we roomed together on the road. And I remember the road trip. We went to Grand Forks, and he's from Italy, and this is right. his first year. He doesn't know how to drive on snow or ice. I ended up driving the rent-a-car, everything in between with the team. And he's looking around, and he goes, I can't believe that there's a place on this earth that is this boring. And this ugly. (laughs) <laughs> Grand Forks, North Dakota, and he just went off on it. Of course, he's now down at Arizona with his wife, Adia Barnes, they're the top 10 in the country. Great kind of full circle success story, but Salvo Copa I always think of when it comes to Grand Forks and every trip I made to North Dakota, I sent him a picture of the real estate listings for <laughs> what he wanted to buy it. there.
0: I love it. We're keeping. We're going to keep the tangent going just for one more step here on this random tripping down the rabbit hole. Uh, remember Juliana Mendiola? Ooh, who yeah. Who was one of Benford's assistants for yep. a minute there at, at yep. Montana State? She was a great player at the University of Washington. I actually had not comprehended how great. So, tonight, and leading into tomorrow, we're debuting a new series, SkylineSportsMT.com. It's called Big Sky Figures to Remember. And we're going to chronicle people and figures from all across the league, both players and coaches, that um, are just memorable figures. And I think that the archiving of history is very important when it comes to journalism. I think in Montana, since this is the biggest... um, because the Cats and the Grizz are the pro teams of Montana, we do a pretty good job of remembering all the greats that came before us. Around the rest of the league, I think that internally they do, but maybe not around the rest of the league. And so I'm going to just highlight you know, quick hitters about some memorable characters. And we're going to debut with four people tonight, and you'll see who those are. Um, and we're going to have three different categories. The skyline category, for everybody that we've covered over the last seven years, that we have original photographs of. Then we'll have what we call the modern era, which will be the time when I covered the big sky from 2006 through 2013, before Brooks started working with me and taking pictures. And then we'll have what we call the archived era, and that's going to be contributions from a lot of the sports information directors around the league and things like that, get the photos from the schools. Um, but also just to remember some some people maybe came before us. I mean, I'm only 33. I can't profess to know anything about big – I know stuff about it, but I didn't see it. So we're going we're gonna to keep this building forever and ever and ever. One of the figures, though, that we are, uh, a little tease here, uh, the the one the female that we're highlighting in, in this rollout is Delaney Hodgins, who played at Eastern Washington. She finished her career as the fourth all-time leading scorer in the history of the league. Uh, the best teams that she was on was when she was with her sister, and then they didn't have quite as much team success her junior and senior year, but she had unbelievable individual success one of the records that I thought was one of the most unbreakable records in all of Big Sky Conference women's hoops was the 41-point-in-a-single-game record that was shared by Shannon Kate, now Shannon Schwain, and Katie Bussey of Montana State, who I know you're familiar with. Well, Delaney Hodges annihilated that record. She scored 46 in a single game. She went 7-of-7 seven seven from the three-point line. Her shooting splits were unbelievable. Regardless, I stumbled upon Giovanni Vendiola because... Delaney Hodges's mother, Haley, and Delaney Hodges's mother was the all-time leading scorer at the his- in the history of the University of Washington for 12 years until Ronda Smith broke the record, and then right after that, Giovanni B- Mendiola broke the record. No way! So who would have known any of that, right?
3: That's the that's like six degrees of separation, <laughs> Isn't that right crazy? there. That, that's legit. Hodges over 2,000 points at Eastern Washington. That's this is the 1st time hearing about what you're doing here, rolling out with Skyline. Yeah. That, that's definitely a form for that and a, a spot where Big Sky history needs to be remembered. For people that don't know if Coulter has the Big Sky landscape, you're, you are so integrated with the Big Sky, you can create your own eras. The archived era, the modern era when Coulter started covering it, and then no, I, I love it. That, <laughs> that that'll be great. And the sports information directors around the league, they appreciate the history of this so oh, much yeah. too that these stories need to be told. So that'll be great. Rolling those out here soon, close to soon. Yeah, I think we're gonna re- start releasing them tonight, and
0: then I'm probably okay. gonna, just gonna do one, or, one uh, every other a couple days. I don't know. I think now,
3: any rankings? Are we no, there's no
0: rank? rankings. Okay. It's just it's just general. I'm just gonna continue to add to it. I'm just gonna add it. and add and add and add. It is nuances now. Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanas, right here 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide, SWX Montana Television. This is a conversation I wanted to have yesterday, so we're going to jump into it. It's our Prep Extra, presented by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, you've chosen the caterer, addressed the invitations, picked out the cake, but have you decided where to bank? This is a big decision if you're getting married. Farmer State Bank offers just what you need as you start your new life together. Checking and savings accounts, electronic banking options, and the latest tech. Even locally approved mortgages with nine, count them, nine Western Montana locations. There's a Farmer State State Bank where you live, work, and play. Congratulations from all of us at Farmer State Bank, an equal housing lender and member FDIC. So, here's the impetus of this conversation. Josh Rollins, who I know listens to this show quite a bit, former Montana State Bob, a good buddy of mine. His son, Dylan, uh, is going to play at BYU Dylan was one of the most highly recruited kids to come out of Montana in the 21st century. He had 16 offers. I think he had uh, more than 10 FBS offers. He had real scholarship offers from... Power Five. I mean, Minnesota. He had a walk-on offer at Nebraska. Um, he had an offer at Arizona State, Oregon State. So he had power five offers. And and so he, he was a highly recruited guy. He actually just was named the Max Preps Montana Player of the Year. Josh, I got your text. I'm sorry I haven't texted you back yet, but I did get your text. So shout out to you. But... Uh, Regardless, Josh and I were talking at lunch one day, though. There's so many guys from Montana, specifically from Missoula, that have gone on to great success in basketball. In football, there's been a lot of Missoulians that have had great success in football, but it's exclusively, at least in my 27 years on and off, at least, living here, since we first moved to Missoula in 1993, it's been almost exclusively with the grids. There's been guys like Jordy Tripp and, and Jason Ty Palmer that I think if they weren't from Missoula, their recruiting process would have been completely different. Like I remember Jason Ty were my best friends growing up. I remember Bobby Howick offered them, and they didn't even know what the recruiting was. They were like, yeah, we're, yeah we commit. Whatever it takes, it's, we're in. Like There was no recruiting. It was like, you want to play for the Grizzlies? You got a full ride? Yes. My answer is yes. There's no recruiting. There's no offering. There's no camps, nothing. It was yes. But that's here nor there. I just wonder, though, when you look at the guys that have come out of the city of Missoula, most recently, Raleigh Wooster, is at Utah State. Abe Johnson, who's at West Point. But then more, you know, from the the modern era, so to speak, kind of my era of high school, Jordan Haskett, who went on to play for the Grizz, but he did have some pretty lofty offers. Jack McGillis went to Oregon State and then came back home to play for the Grizz. Riley Bradshaw from down in the valley, Corvallis. He went to Utah State to play for Stu Morrill, then ended up coming back playing for the Grizz. Eric Hankel went to Washington, to eastern Washington. Um I mean, Ryan Dick, Jared Camel, Sam Riddle, there's a bunch of guys from Missoula that all got chances at Division I. And it, uh, to be fair, some of those guys did stay home. But there is a difference, too, between the FBS and the FCS. And when you're talking about men's hoops, this is Division I all the way. And so I think it's interesting because I think Montana, by and large, is categorized as a football state. Missoula, a lot of times, is a football town because of the Grizz. But in reality, it's produced some of the best basketball individual talents. And so I've always wondered why. I do have a hypothesis, but what do you think of this?
3: This is a really interesting talking point. I can see that this is one that certainly would start at a lunch or maybe uh, bellied up after a couple and just going, man, why is this the, the reason that it has been for the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years like you're talking about? For me, a lot of it stems down to the expectations of the sport that you play, right? If you're a basketball player, you feel that capability of being the standout guy, like to be a star and to be promised something maybe that's you know, outside of what you even think you can accomplish. And on a basketball roster, when you have, oh, seven, eight players that really play and 12 players that are just on the roster in general, there's a better opportunity to see the bright lights and go on. For me, on the football side of things, when especially Missoula, if you grow up with the history and tradition of that place just over our shoulder, sure. just around there, it becomes, it's talked about in such lore that there really is no outside, right? And I... I don't know if this is making sense of what my brain is trying to say, but when you're a football player, right, mm-hmm. you want to be a part of something special. You want to be a part of a championship culture where sure. you're going to be a member of the team. I, I, call me crazy here and call me out of if, if you don't think this is the case, but I feel when you make your commitment to be a Division I football player, that you just you know that you're not going to be a standout right away, a freshman, a sophomore, that, that you're more willing to buy in and say, quote-unquote, go to a lower level and make that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Where I feel in basketball, where you mentioned some of these great names that have won on to play elsewhere, they look at the bright lights of a Utah state. That sure. Oh, hey, I see them on national TV. One of six, one of eight guys. Yeah, I could stand out and play. I just think that there's more buy-in if you're a high school football player, especially here in Missoula, that hey, the, the Grizz are the top of the top. The, sure. the, you're a member of that team. There's really no greater honor when you grow up around it for 17, 18 years. So I guess that's my roundabout take. That yeah. That's why. I don't know how much of that came clear, but I am very curious on what you think. Well, of I think that there's, there's some validity to that. I think that recruiting
0: to huge fan bases is we're so accustomed to it in Montana because both Montana and Montana State have such great followings, particularly for the revenue sports. Like all... The women's basketball, men's basketball, and football, all three at both schools draw exceptionally well. Better than not just anybody in the conference, but a lot better than a lot of places around, period. So I do think recruiting to that is huge. Robin Silvig told that story on Grizz Great's uh, the coaching tree. He said well, I could go when it, back in the 1980s, I could go heads up with almost anybody in the West because it didn't matter if it was Washington or Gonzaga or UCLA. We were drawing better than those schools, periods. All I had to do was bring girls to games and they're committing. So I do think there's an element of that. I wonder if the Grizz football team is losing its luster a little bit. And I do think that Coach Howick's return gives them some standing. But right now, though, the, the quote unquote glory days when Montana was so dominant and they truly were in the national championship mix year in and year out. It was an epic 20-year span, but it also was 10 years ago. They haven't truly been in the mix for a national championship since probably 2011. I think some people might argue Coach Delaney's second team in 2013 when Brock Coyle and Jordy Tripp were, were seniors. Those guys had a pretty good draw. They got a playoff seat, and then they got bounced by Coastal Carolina. That was one of the, probably the big upsets in the modern history of Grizz football, particularly when it comes to the playoffs. But then, you know, last year was a good breakthrough year to get back on track. But the truly national allure, you know, you got to think that a high school kid, six years ago, is one-third of their life and probably one-half of their conscious memory. So if a team hasn't been good since 2011 or hasn't been truly nationally elite, I'm not going to say they haven't been good. The Grizzlies have made the playoffs at times. But it's, it's a far cry from what it once was when you're talking about literally rolling through the league undefeated, being the number one or two team in the country from stem to stern for years in a row. So you wonder that. I mean, so for example, a kid like Raleigh Wooster, who once upon a time was committed to Montana men's basketball, and then he ends up uh, decommitting, and then I know he explores some different options, and then ends up at Utah State. It's a great pick. It's hard to fault him. Utah State's a top 30 program. Program on the rise. But you wonder if this was 2008, if Raleigh Wooster would have said, I'm actually going to go play football at Montana. That's one thing I think has really... I think there's been a lot of kids in the state of Montana, period, that could have played Division I basketball that chose football instead just because of the way that they grew up, whether it was staying in-state or going out-of-state. Like Tanner Roderick at Bozeman High, uh, 2010, he could have played D1 basketball, I think. I mean, Matt Miller at Helena Capital, Matt Miller could have played D1 basketball. but He could have played for the Cats or the Grizz for sure, maybe even somewhere better, but he ended up going to Boise State. I just think there's a lot of guys that choose football. But more than anything, I think that... We haven't had the continuity. I think this goes hand in hand. I think there hasn't been the big time football prospects in Missoula for the same reason why Missoula Sentinel was the first Missoula team to win a state championship in 26 years. It's because there's been a lack of continuity in this community because so much of the so many people that are obsessed with football in this community, they pour all their resources, energy, and logistical planning into Grizz football. That's a great thing. That's why Grizz football is so successful. It's also why it's just been a goat show for for youth football. Little Grizz, I know, has a lot of nostalgic memories attached to it in this community. It wasn't the right way to run youth football, but that was the dominant youth football entity for decades. And you're talking about a draft system with a weight limit and all of these variety of factors, and we don't need to kill Little Grizz right now. I mean, I had a great time playing Little Grizz. Everybody did. But there was no real path or blueprint for building a varsity program at any of the Missoula schools and you didn't even start thinking about playing varsity football until you're a sophomore in high school. You weren't learning the real schemes, the real culture, the real systems at any of the Missoula high schools until you were a sophomore. Because first of all, with three high schools, you had two freshman team at each high school back when enrollment was actually way more significant than it is now. So freshman year, you're only playing round robins with each other. You're playing the purple and the gold team from Sentinel. You're playing the red and the white team from Hellgate. There's a blue and a gold team from Big Sky. Sometimes you play some Frenchtown teams, whatever. So there's not this this continuity, and so then I think that kids aren't developing at a high at, as at as high of a level. Now with Missoula youth football and their relationship with some of the high school coaches, specifically the Sentinel high school coaches, now you got kids that are learning the system, learning the culture, learning what is expected of them. All the way from middle school on. Now, that, now they're ready. Like everybody always used to make the argument for Bozeman High. Why is Bozeman so good in so many sports? Everybody would say enrollment. Well, here's the deal though Bozeman High did not win a football state championship since 1917 until they broke in in 2010. Since then, they've won four. What was the difference? Well, Troy Purcell came from Haber, and he implemented a youth football program in Bozeman that then was filtering kids, and then kids are ready to roll. They're ready to run the offense. And so then you can take talent and maximize it. Everywhere in Montana is going to have good football players. There's tough kids and good athletes everywhere. But why are the CMRs of the Jack Johnson era or the Billings Wests of the Paul Clayboy era I mean, you're from Billings. Yep. Great example. Senior used to not really be in the mix. It was, Skyview was always pretty good, and West was dominant. Always. Yep. Senior always was West. not in the in yep. the mix. Well, what changed? They started building a culture. They started teaching the kids the offense early on, and then all of a sudden, Chris Murdock, who's done a great
3: job there, he's won a couple state championships, he's played for multiple state championships. It, it's changed the continuity within the city. Well, not even goes back even further when just going the Billings reference for me here, it, it Billings-Skyview. I mean, they just start becoming a school. Seniors got all the tradition in West, right. but why was Skyview successful early? Because they implemented the, the same off- offense, triple option offense that you had all the way down at the youth levels, yep. which is <laughs> where my playing career ended, sure. but they were implementing that <laughs> right, right. back in 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th grade as you're lining up. And I remember the middle school, Castle Rock Middle School, they were in the same offense that Skyview would, and that is the alignment that you you're talking about needs to start down. I mean, if you want to talk about being a Division One player and going down the line of that, it starts at an early age, 6th, 7th grade, everything in between, which poses this question to you. It feels like to me, and it's yep. easy from the lens that I'm in right now to see this, but it seems that Missoula Sentinel is as closely aligned with the Grizz program, with Coach Oliver and with Coach Houck and sure. what everything is done in between, more than anything else that Missoula has had in what? Recent memory? And the for fact, sure. And I don't know how low that goes as far as getting it aligned at a lower level than high school, but it feels right now that it's as close as it's been in a while, and that's why you're seeing the success and the development of the Grizz players.
0: And, and it's it's continuity with both programs, too, uh, because Montana State has a fair amount of Sentinel kids on their uh, roster yeah, as well. Yeah, good I mean, point. Yep. I mean, Byron Rollins, who's Dylan Rollins' his older brother, he's, he's going to be a senior defensive lineman there for the Cats. Now he's a good player. I think he has a great chance to contribute as a senior. I mean, Ryland Ort is a guy that really high on a, a former Missoula Sentinel quarterback. who's playing safety over there for Jeff. Kalispell
3: Glacier with Grady Bennett. Yep, they kind of yep, have pipelines yep. too out there.
0: Well, the biggest difference is that colleges now, they want guys that are college ready. And for a long time, the programs that were truly programs that had true off season programs, especially at the AA level were CMR and Helena capital and then Billings West under Paul Clabo. Well, then now that's shifted with Grady Bennett's presence moving from Flathead to Glacier. That's really had an impact on that neck of the woods. I mean, Coach Bennett has said it on this show. He said, hey, I'm a Grizz. He started a cap, but he, he said, I'm a Grizz, and I would have sent all my guys to Missoula. Missoula wasn't recruiting them. I know that's one thing where Coach Hauk is saying, hell no, that ain't happening anymore. We're, putting, we're planting the Grizz flag right in the middle of Flathead Lake. These guys are not getting away if we want them, and that's been a big shift in the recruiting in the state. But I do think that it's – it's not even just about developing Division One prospects. It's just about accelerating kids' development. And I think that a lot of times kids in Missoula were way far behind. But then it, when you talk about the basketball element of it, though, Eric Hayes to Jeff Hayes at Hellgate. That's a great – I mean, that's 35 years of excellent coaches. For They come from the same family. You have the exact same culture forever. His father passing it on to his son. That's why Hellgate's produced so many um, great players. I think that Sentinel has always had just the great individual talent because you have such basketball legacy families. And that's the other thing is Missoula, people stick around Missoula. You know, like the Haskett brothers, I mean, their parents, their aunts, their uncles, everybody, they all played for the Grizz. I mean, those guys were just, they were born to be Grizzlies. And But then they also are coached at such a high level as well. So you have the, the family ties, the, the genetics, all of that stuff. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I think that uh, – I, th- I just wonder how many guys from Missoula – two, twofold. If the youth football bridge to high school football and the individual talent development would have been better over the last 25 years, but then more importantly, if the Grizz wouldn't have been this omnipresent force within the community – I'm not saying one thing is better than the other. I'm just saying it all worked hand in hand to having not a lot of Missoulians that got chances on the football field. But I do think that there's a lot of factors that go into it. I mean, I remember growing up when I remember Jason and Ty both got started getting letters from PAC 12 schools when we were like juniors And they didn't even really know what to think. And then Bobby Houck got wind of that and just offered him right there on the spot. And then the recruiting process was over. So I just wonder how many times that has happened.
3: How prevalent do you think that still is right now? I mean, with Coach Houck, and Mm -hmm. I stem this back, when you were talking about that for the first time, it's very accurate as far as, you know, it's been 10 years since the Grizzlies were nationally or competing for a national championship, Mm -hmm. really. How much of bringing Coach Houck back Mm. for grabbing that recruiting piece to where you're not losing the pride and tradition aspect of it. I mean, I think it was more essential than people even want to admit at the time that we've got to bring back some of the glory days, so to speak, and that's what made it such a slam dunk hire. It's true. Bobby Houck is such a great
0: coach, just coaching the game and the fundamentals of football, but he's also so great at making the program about – more than himself, more than his players, more than even this community, but about the whole state. And that's what Bobby said the day that fall football was officially called off. He said, I most... Mad for the people around the state of Montana because it's this means so much to them, not just from a fan perspective, but from a financial perspective, from an economic perspective, and he has he has the perspective of where it fits into the fabric of our communities, and I think that's what's going to be the thing that that is the number one factor in helping Montana have a resurgence.
3: And when you compare that to just think of the the power of that. I mean, an Idaho, a Boise State. I mean, I'm just thinking regionally close, Washington, Washington State. They can't say that from the impact to the sure. whole state. Like, truly, Coach How can, and Coach Cho for that fact, too. Uh, no question. That's how- why it's the
0: greatest rivalry there is, man, because they, it really is. It's a part of the blood of the people, but it's also a part of the way that our economies
3: uh, survive. And that is when people ask, why is this rivalry so special? That's just taking it to the next level. We finally mm-hmm. come full circle with it because it has that 365-day impact from a financial side of things, from so many different angles. And you're right, though. I, I wanted to make sure we we hit home on that because that was an important piece that, I mean, this is a, a statewide um, functioning decision, despite when-, when it comes to Grizzly and, and Bobcat football, for sure.
0: Who is now? 102.9 ESPN, Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television. What if there was a place where you could walk in, get physical therapy, pay a flat fee, and feel better? Well, there is. It's Physiotrek, Missoula's only walk-in physical therapy office. Physiotrek offers physical therapy on your time with a flat fee so you can feel better faster. No need for referrals or insurance. Just go to physiotrek.com, book your appointment, and feel better. You know you've been wanting to try dry needling or see if more specific stretches would help you. You could do that now at Physiotrek. Visit physiotrek.com to book an in-clinic or telehealth appointment today. That's physiotrek.com. Brooks Nuanes breaking down Jeff Choate, Samari Touré, and a bunch of other big sky news as well right after this. be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula. It's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Special January promo going on by the Wingate by Wyndham right now as well. If you stay two nights in January of twenty twenty one, you get a free growler and a fill card for Big Sky Brewing. Big Sky Brewing just right across the way from the Wingate. So if you book, all you gotta do is book through the hotel directly Google Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, limited to one freebie per customer, but stay two nights, January 2021, free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing and tell them is now sent you. Didn't you say Richie Sambora was the greatest guitar player no, of all no, time? No, 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 no. I asked
3: if he was on your <laughs> list for greatest. Song. I mean, he's like, you know, top 50, top 50, maybe. Come on
0: now. Uh, bon Jovi gets a bad rap. I love Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi's good. I'm, I'm down with some Bon Jovi. Riley loves 80s music. That's why we only let him come on the show two days a week instead of all five days a week.
3: I, I know just, Reese enjoys the two days. That yeah, well, uh, indeed, indeed,
0: he does. It's so funny because Reese... Was it Reese is like two decades away from even knowing what the 1980s are. <laughs> how, how old are you? Are you 19? Are you 20 yet? He's, he's 20. Okay, we'll give him 20. Okay. It is Nuanas now. 102.90 ESPN, Missoula. Statewide, SWX Montana Television. Brooks Nuwana, Skyline Sports, coming up in just a quick minute. Talking about Jeff Choate staying at Montana State, as well as Samari Torre leaving Montana to go to Nebraska. I think a lot of people... We're surprised by that, but it is Tuesday. It's a Taglieri Tuesday. This isn't 80s music. This is 70s music. If you know Taglieri to, or Taglieri, excuse me, Taglieri Deli in Missoula, they name all their sandwiches after bands. This one is just called Kiss. Kiss is a phenomenal uh, piece of performance art. We'll say that. <laughs> Yeah. We got we have uh, we have free taglieri for you though. Twenty five bucks from Taglieri Delicatessen right here in Missoula. So give us a call right now. 25 bucks to Taglieri Deli, located right there on the corner of Beckwith and Higgins. Number two caller, number two is gonna get the twenty five dollar gift card to Taglieri. Tune in every Tuesday for your chance to win free taglieri. Going out of the Rangage Brothers RV phone line, welcome in Brooks Nuanez, Skyline Sports. This will be something that's pretty darn regular on Fridays on this show, breaking down all things Big Sky Conference sports and maybe even touching on some pro football as well. But we're going to start with a couple of the biggest news stories around the Big Sky from the last couple weeks pertaining to the landscape of the league in football. Jeff Choate, a finalist for the Boise State job. It came all the way down the wire, but Boise State ends up hiring Andy Avalos, the defensive coordinator at Oregon. And then the other one we'll get to here in a little while is Samari Touré, the Montana wide receiver, who made his decision to transfer to Nebraska and maybe touch on a couple of the other uh, Big Sky Conference stars that entered the transfer portal, namely Jeron Bland from Sacramento State, a first-team All Big Sky Corner. But first of all, Brooks, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, You tracked the Jeff Choate thing along with me at Skyline. We were texting back and forth about the whole scenario. No need to go through the overall timeline of it, but I think we both agree that we're very impressed with Coach Choate as a person, his passion, uh, his vision, Uh, but also we both agreed that uh, uh, this was the best thing for all parties involved, Jeff Choate returning to Montana State. Just your overall take about Andy Avalos getting the Boise State job instead of Jeff Choate.
1: Yeah, I agree with that very much. Culture of uh, Jeff Cho being quite an impressive person. I mean, he's he's really fun to talk to, and we always say it's like a history class with uh, with lecturing on Mondays and Thursdays at times. Uh, he's a really dynamic speaker. And it's he's one of the most interesting football minds I've been around. Um, he's really invested in culture. Uh, the X's and O's are, are kind of a secondary thing after team building and culture. Um, I I do think I agree with you as well that it was probably the best opportunity that he's had. And it may be one of the better opportunities he gets in his career as far as moving up to um, the FBS level, going to a school that he had much history at as a, as an assistant coach before in Boise state. Uh, But overall, I think it's what's best for him right now, as far as where we're at in this global pandemic, as well as where Montana state is at um, and they're in their building of facilities um, and, and kind of him putting his stamp on the program. I think last year was his, Fifth season, if I'm not wrong, um, making it that he kind of now has an entire generation, an entire um, recruiting class of four different four different classes under his belt. Um, so now it's kind of all him, all Jeff Choate team. Um, and you know, we also love the, the Montana Montana State rivalry, especially since Bob are back. I think it's you know, if it's not the best, it's one of the best rivalries in sports, especially at the college level. And in college football's got to be right up there. So. That being intact is going to be really fun to, to, to carry forward because those games have been pretty darn good under Chote um, 4-0 so far. So this going into this fifth season, I guess.
0: The most unique part about this was that uh, most of the time when we're talking about Big Sky coaches, either head coaches or coordinators or, or whatever, most of the time, unless it's like a position coach like a Gerald, Gerald Alexander at Montana State, for example, usually if they're a young star that's just a position coach, uh, there's a variety of different... Uh, levels of trajectory. But usually when we're talking about head coaches and coordinators from the Big Sky level, we're by and large talking about coaches going to places where the staffs just got fired or, or where it's a rebuild. Bo Baldwin going from Eastern Washington to Cal to be Justin Wilcox's Offensive coordinator, you know they, they were taking over for Jeff Tedford. They were trying to rebuild the Cal program. Craig Bull going to Wyoming. I know Wyoming wasn't completely downtrodden, but uh, certainly it uh, was kind of stuck in the middle. And Craig Bull w- was tasked with rebuilding that thing. You know, Paul Wolf from Eastern Washington to Washington State. Mick Dennehy from Montana to Utah State. This was, you're right. This is a completely different deal because this is a completely different opportunity. This is a program in Boise State that has won 240 games over the last 20 years. This is a program where you've had five consecutive coaches from Dirk Cutter to Dan Hawkins to Chris Peterson and now Brian Harson move up to really prestigious jobs. Like, I mean, you can say what you want about Colorado, but when Hawk got that job at Colorado, that was a good job. Chris Peterson, obviously, getting the Washington job, that's a hell of a job. Brian Harson getting the Auburn job. That's one of the best jobs you can get in the United States of America. So it was a completely different uh, dynamic. And I, I just talk about that part because I think that Choate is so good at a rebuild. He did the rebuild. But at Boise, you don't need to rebuild it. So I thought that was maybe one of the, the hang-ups of what could have been the transition. Like, you don't need a guy to come in and tear it down and rebuild the culture. Boise already has culture.
1: Yeah, they definitely do. Man. And I think that that probably played into what Choate's head coaching experience and his resume kind of shows is that right now his strength is rebuilding a program because that's the one thing he's done as a head coach, and that's not what Boise needed. Also, Boise State, whether or not we're in, in a pandemic, wants to put people in the stands. They want to put butts in seats. And Jeff Choate and his offensive acumen, or lack thereof, his development or, and track record of developing quarterbacks, or lack thereof, I think plays into the overall aspect of here's what Boise State has done. You know, a team that does rely on running the football, a team that does play a Northwest brand of football, but also throws it around the yard. And they've had some really prolific um, quarterbacks and offensive um, players. And, you know, a guy that was in the mix early was killing Moore. And I thought that was such an interesting, the the current um, Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator. I thought that was an interesting dynamic to watch them try to hire an athletic director at Boise state, as well as a head football coach and what that looked like and how that played for Kellen Moore. Um, he was probably, you know, one of the best college candidates, especially in that kind of you know, mid major level, if you will, not that Boise state's not a top tier program, but playing in the mountain West, is a different than playing in a true power five conference. Um, Getting a candidate like the, the the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys is is, is is a testament to where that program's been in the last twenty years, as you've mentioned. So I think it is interesting for show um, kind of what he, he probably had the best interview that they give that he's that they have received in a very long time. I mean, he is such a good a, a good talker. He can talk about himself and his ideals and his program as well as anyone I've ever met. Um, and Andy Avalos is another kind of guy, a young guy who hasn't been a, a head coach at that level. Um, but a guy who played there was a terrific player at Boise state. So I could see why they gave that nod. I think a little bit to inspire um, a fan base to get a little bit more excited than maybe a Jeff Choate who has, well, albeit went to the national semifinals last year in the FCS, and um, before we lost to North Dakota state has overall had around a 500 record and has beat a handful of good teams. Most of them being um, from across the Hill in, in, in uh, the university of Montana. So I think, Probably, as we mentioned before, it's probably the right move for both sides. I think that Choate has something in, in Bozeman that he quite hasn't finished, especially recruiting to those new facilities um, that they're going kind to of build. So Overall, I think that, like we mentioned, it probably is the right move for both uh, candidates. And I think that Choate will be better off for going through that that interviewing process and being so transparent with the fan base and his players of, hey, they want me or they're looking at me. Um, it was pretty open-ended process as far as uh, the transparency went.
0: No question. Brooks Nuana is from Skyline Sports joining us on Nuana is now on the Rankage Brothers RV phone line breaking down all things Big Sky Conference football, specifically Jeff Choate staying at Montana State as the head football coach. And last question on this one then, Brooks. It was interesting tracking this whole thing. You know, we got sources. We're talking to people. You know, people know how the, all of this stuff works. But there was an administrator's meeting on Friday at Montana State. I thought that was indicative of one of two things. Either Choate was leaving or he wasn't. And then I got news that there was a team meeting, and I thought that was indicative of one of two things. Choate was leaving or he wasn't. And it turned out he wasn't. And it turned out he was very, like you said, open with the administration of Montana State as well as with his team. But from a perspective of uh, this Bobcat team now moving forward, it seems like this has a real opportunity to really galvanize the team. I think when you are honest with your players, They're rooting for you to have elevated opportunities, but also probably a huge sense of relief when you choose to stay. And you saw it on Twitter. You saw uh, guys that were, you know, like Isaiah Fonse, Tucker Rovig, some of the the headlining Bobcat players tweeting memes and things, you know, celebrating that Choate was back. Uh, But can you imagine what that meeting was like? I'm sure that was one of the best speeches he's ever given when he he told the guys, hey, I made a run at it, but also I'm glad to be your guys' head coach.
1: Oh, man, I can only imagine because, yeah, he's – he's really good at that kind of stuff. You know, uh, we can all talk about how his, his development of quarterback plays has, has been a little bit uh, lackluster, but I mean, gosh, yeah. When they, when they get in those locker room meetings and they get in those, those motivational pregame speeches, uh, he's as good as it gets. And uh, you know, I've heard quite a few of them and he's a pretty inspiring guy. Um, I think he believes in it a lot. And, and I think a lot of the transparency through the process is kind of a reflection of him. He's a really honest person. I mean, he's, Anyone who's followed us or him uh, in our coverage of Jeff Choate, he 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 really you know he wears his feelings on his sleeve as much as he wears all of the information on his sleeve. I mean, he definitely tells you he's a very open book. He tells you straight up what he thinks and what they're going to do and their X's and O's plans and their recruiting plans. And he doesn't really hide a lot. And I think it really does develop a player-driven program that is also has a hierarchy that starts with him. And it's unique. It's really hard to have. A player-run program that then has this this ultimate powerful voice that stands over top of it. Um, he's really good at that. Um, you know, one of the best I've seen at this level, especially. So I bet you that, as you mentioned, it'll probably galvanize these guys um, in a big way. And as you also said, I think you got to be happy for the guy when he gets an opportunity like this. I mean, everyone knows what. Money can do generationally for a family, and what money can do, uh, and, and, and prestige can do, in in, in in a coaching career, just getting the opportunity to, to prove, to show yourself at such a high level. I mean, going from you know the two hundred grand with bonuses that they make it at at uh, the Montana Montana State level, then you know there's a little bit of flux there, up to that one million dollar range uh, per year. You're talking about a, a lot of money there. So it, everyone was probably happy for him to get the opportunity. I think mean, most people are happy he stayed.
0: Brooks Nuana Skyline Sports joining us on Nuana is now transitioning into a little bit of talk about the way that the transfers. We've seen some prestigious ones, in fact, out of the Big Sky Conference. First and foremost, Kevin Thompson from Sacramento State, the reigning Big Sky Conference offensive player of the year and a Walter Payton Award finalist. He transferred to the University of Washington and uh, probably a regrettable decision because he did not play much at UW. The craziest part about it is this guy's been in college now for seven seasons already because of a variety of different red shirts he's been able to garner. But because this is a zero year, he actually could even come back <laughs> next year. Could be an eighth-year senior, but that's here nor there. The other one that's uh, most pertinent in the st- within the state of Montana is Samari Touré. Touré was a record-setter last year at Montana. 87 catches, 1,495 yards. Both breaking Mark Mariani's single season records, he also had 13 touchdowns. Earlier this week, he announced his transfer to Nebraska, and uh, that was one that shocked me. I knew the Smari was going to get a Power Five look. I knew that he was getting a lot of Power Five interest. Uh, he was getting recruited by Mississippi State because of the Mike Leach connections, and and having seen him back uh, when he was coming out in Portland, um, he was getting some looks from Miami. He was getting looks from a lot of the schools on the West Coast, including Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State. But he ends up in the Midwest with the Cornhuskers in the Big Ten. Your initial reaction to Samari Torrey now becoming a Big Ten player? Well,
1: certainly happy for him. I mean, as you mentioned, getting all that different attention from schools around the country. Clearly, this was the the move that he wanted to make. I think that Scott Frost is, uh, you know, the head coach at, at Nebraska is is one of those kind of guys who's a really, really good recruiter. You know, I could see that his speech, his pitch. Uh, could 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 edge out a couple of the other coaches that you mentioned at those schools, uh, but Nebraska hasn't had it rolling for quite a, quite some time now. You know, I, I don't necessarily want to put a date on it, but it's been it's been the better part of the last decade before since they've had um, a, a good team that's been nationally relevant, um, especially during their time in the Big Ten. Uh, Scott Frost is kind of a, a hire that that did inspire that fan base, and that fan base is so legendary. Um, you know, that will I don't think that that will wane or change. But right now, I think that Samari Torre. will see. I mean, I, as far as how much will he play, I think he'll play there. I think that's a part of the reason that you go to a school like that is that they will give you the opportunity to play because they have not had a bunch of prolific wide receiver play um, in that in that time span that we just mentioned. So overall, I mean, clearly happy for the guy. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to go test his his abilities at the, at the next level. And I mean, gosh, a really really good FCS player. I you know I think. A, the kind of guy that's more like a unanimous first-team all-American, all uh, the kind of guy that's one of the the five best offensive players in the country, the kind of guy that will get an NFL look. You know, maybe not uh, maybe not long-term NFL-style player, but he'll get an NFL look at no matter what program he's coming out of, whether that was staying at Montana or or transferring into the Big Ten. So clearly happy for the guy. I'm really interested to see you know, where Scott Frost takes that program because it's kind of a, a only way up in. in, in at least in my eyes.
0: Yeah, the Scott Frost angle is so interesting because Frost was a great offensive coordinator at Oregon. Uh, He had great offense at Central Florida, and that was one of the great stories in college football, particularly outside of the Power Five. Um, And then at Nebraska, it it hasn't seemed to click. They only threw for five touchdowns last year, uh, as opposed to nine picks. They only threw for about 190 yards per game. And I... The quarterback talent is apparently there. I mean, Adrian Martinez was supposed to be a five-star guy, and he was an outstanding player as a true freshman, and he's never really improved. And then they bring in Luke McCaffrey. Ed had McCaffrey's, I think, middle, maybe youngest son, but regardless, a transfer from Michigan who um, had a lot of prestige as well. And neither one of those guys has seemed to click. So there's definitely a missing link there, but that's here nor there. I think that the number one factor in Torrey picking Nebraska was that they had their number one receiver from a year ago, transfer. Darian Chase, who's their number one uh, young guy, their number one recruit that that staff had brought in, he only lasted a year. He's now at Portland State, and that'll be, by the way, an intriguing fold because I do think that he's a guy that maybe people around the league don't know about who could absolutely be an impact player. He's a four-star recruit, and he'll be really good with Davis Alexander at Portland State. But I think the Touré knew that he was going to be among, if not the guys. I think he knew he could make an impact there, and so maybe um, that's the, the key. To the decision, uh, but Brooks, from your eyes, I mean, this is obviously a decision where he wants to compete at the next level, and he's trying to comp- to uh, make himself into an NFL caliber prospect. Is going from Montana to a Power Five an improvement in your draft stock, or, or does it come down to other
1: factors? I'm not sure if it's an improvement in your draft stock per se, but I think it probably is an improvement in your preparation. Um, you get you get a better gauge on where you are at as an athlete, and sometimes I think it can either give you the confidence to to believe in your game and where it's at, or it can give you the motivation to elevate your game. Um, you, you may realize, well, maybe you know, if I can't compete in the Big Ten, I can't compete in the NFL. So uh, I do not think it necessarily improves your draft stock. I think it probably is more of a gamble of hurting your draft stock because if you do go to the Big Ten and you play at Nebraska and you don't have a great season, it, it, you're going to kind of get lost in the mix there. Um, but it, So I think it's a little bit of a gamble, but I do think it, it raises the potential for – for your draft stock to, to, to skyrocket, but it does also have the adverse effect. So it's not necessarily something that I think this day and age is a necessity. Um, I do think that there are styles of player that, that want that challenge. And sometimes you want that memory. And I think that both of those sure. are valid. You know, I think a guy like you mentioned the Sacramento state uh, quarterback in, in Thompson, I think, Sometimes, you know, you have a really good run. You're the Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year after coming from an FBS to, a, to, a, to the FCS at Sac State. And then maybe you just want that memory. Maybe Washington has a chance to make it to the college football playoff, and you can say that you may, that you played it, you know, that you were a part of that. Uh, maybe you're not an NFL guy like I don't think Kevin Thompson probably is. That memory is still, you know, it's pretty impressive, um, and it's, it's, it's a pretty fun story to look back on. Uh, So I I can totally understand that piece of it. I don't think I could fault anyone for, you know, wanting to say that they were part of something like the University of Nebraska football. You know, it's a pretty cool thing to say.
0: No question. And, and, I mean, it's still one of the great fan bases in all of college football. Uh, Brooks, last question for you to Ron Bland from Sacramento State. He's into the portal as well, so now we've seen an exodus from Sacramento State. There hasn't been a lot of guys that are transferring from the Montana schools. I think both coaches have done a good job of convincing the players, hey, we're gonna make a run at it. When we can play next, whenever next might be. But then Sacramento State was the first school to opt out, and you've seen more guys from their roster enter the portal than any other team. And so it seems as if the players, regardless of the stipulations and the and the circumstances, they want to play right now. So uh, drawn Bland leaving Sac State that hurts Sac State. But um, I mean, do do you think that this is? Uh, oh, I guess do you think that we're gonna see more dominoes fall on both sides?
1: yeah I do. I, I think inherently it's it's been kind of proven that that a lot of institutions play football to make money, and a lot of kids play football to play football. I, I think sometimes it's hard to when we look at the at the business side of college football, it's hard to really just grasp how much a kid might just really like to play football, whether it's a spring scrimmage against his own team, whether it's a spring football season, where it's a six game schedule. There's some guys out there, and I think it's probably the majority who really like just to play. It could be, it could be spring ball. It could be, it could be flag football. It could be seven-on-seven league. Guys just like to play football, and I, um, I kind of fall into that camp. And I, and I really believe that outside of the money, which is going to be a big driver of this kind of stuff, that there's going to be kids who are looking for opportunities to get on the field. And if there's a team like Sac State who opts out of the spring season, you're going to see an exodus because you're going to see guys who want, who want to play. On the flip side. I hope that there's, you know, some institutional uh, transparency with the fact that how much are schools going to follow the trend of saying they're going to play and, and knowing when that they're not, saying that they're going to plan a spring season when it's not going to happen. I think there's a lot of noise in the big sky right now of how 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 realistic is this spring's football season. And I think you and I have both had questions about that. But if you get kids back in the school, if you get them on the practice field, then there's this expectation that like it's going to happen. Uh, so I think that hopefully uh, it's not just a pony, uh, uh, a pony show where you're, just, you're, you're kind of bluffing in a way to keep kids on rosters. Um, I think that you know the national letter of intent and, and the commitment to a school is, is important. But in this day and age, we've seen how much transfers have the ability to move around, have the ability to find a place to play, have the ability to find a place where they're happy. Um, if this, spring, this tenuous spring season doesn't happen, and as teams continue to opt out, but they've already kind of cut the timeline down with starting semesters and et cetera, et cetera, I think mean, there's going to be a little bit of blowback maybe just internally with some of these schools of kids having a little bit of false hope for for things that weren't necessarily going to happen uh, kind of from the jump.
0: Brooks Nuñez, doubling up the Nuñez now. SkylinesportsMT.com for all your up-to-date Big Sky Conference news. We'll keep you apprised of everything that's happening around the league, whether it's the transfer portal, the pending spring season, scheduling decisions, or game recaps, podcasts, Big Sky Breakdown. We got it all. SkylinesportsMT.com. Brooks, appreciate the time, my man, and thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man.
0: Thanks for having me. There Goldbrooks, go, Brooks, New Orleans, Skyline Sports. We're late. Treasure State stars right after this.
2: to
0: more. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't even get the whole thing, the kiss thing. I, di- I didn't get it. It was so weird. I, was, I, I don't know. I, I didn't get Come the on, man. Why
3: not? Aren't you going to paint your face
1: No, and I, 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 and I, I,
0: I, and I thought it was quite like cool. I just didn't understand. I didn't understand how they're like... real band, but also like a parody. It's like almost Spinal Tap meshed with
3: Halloween or something like that. (laughs) I love how you put... Them all into categories. Uh,
0: well, I mean, see, it, if you didn't know, I actually really want a music talk show, not a sports talk show. This is just what all the great people of Montana want. You're trying. It is Nuwana's Now, 102.9 ESPN, Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television, Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, enduring me as he always does on Tuesdays. I appreciate you being here, my man. Time now for our Treasure State Stars, presented by Missoula Electric Co-op and Parkside Credit Union, Missoula Electric Co-op Student Scholarship Program is now open until 5 p.m. on January 25th. So that's the end of this week. Make sure you go uh, submit everything you need for this awesome scholarship program, Missoula Electric Co-op, giving away $15,000 in general scholarships to local students, plus two $1,000 line program scholarships for those students interested in attending the Montana Line School to become a lineman. It's a great job. You should go pursue this if you don't have uh, college plans already. You must be an MEC member or dependent of an MEC member to apply. Details on the program can be found at a missoulaelectric.com. That's missoulaelectric.com. Applicants must be currently attending or planning to attend an accredited Montana school. Treasure State Stars, We're going to rip through this because we're already late. I got three of them on the boys' side, three of them on the girls' side. Treasure State star number one, his second straight appearance in the Treasure State Stars, it's Alex Germer, Missoula Sentinel senior. He had 37 points for the second time this season. That's two, count them, two 37-point games in a win over Helena Capital. Sentinel's 4-0, they're the number one team in the state. Treasure State star number two, Courtney Grossman. Her steal and layup with 40 seconds left gave Billings West the lead, and the number three Golden Bears went on to beat Billings Skyview in a crosstown rivalry, 47-44 over the weekend. So, Courtney Grossman, Treasure State star number two. Treasure State star number three, Jake Olson from Butte High. He's a future Montana Grizz tight end. But his pops played hoops at Montana, and he can hoop a little bit as well. Jake Olson, 6'7", and he used that size fully to his advantage. 25 points in a win over Flathead. Treasure State star number four is Addie Hafey from Missoula Hellgate. She had 14 points, including 12 of them on three-pointers. Top-ranked Missoula Hellgate, they escaped with a 50-49 win at Glacier over the weekend. They trailed 46-34. Perry Paffhausen hit three. That started a 14-0 surge. And Hefe, she hit three three-pointers during that surge. Rob Henthorne, head coach for Missoula Hellgate, he will join us tomorrow on our Garden City Spotlight uh, around 4.30. So stay tuned for that. Treasure State star number five is Billy Boone. He had 23 points, 12 rebounds. Number 10, Valley Christian from right here in Missoula. Survived their biggest challenge of the season so far. They held off Darby, 72-64. And Treasure State star number six, Emily Atkins of Bridger. She erupted for 31 points. That's the highest total for a girl in the state of Montana over the weekend, 61-34. Bridger beat Reed Point Rapple Jay. Treasure State stars every Tuesday, presented proudly by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union has so many perks. Free rewards, checking with cash back, high dividend rates, and ATM fee refunds. All types of mortgages, great rates on auto and recreational vehicle loans. Low rates, no credit card fees. Say yes to savings at Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union, the best place to get a loan in western Montana. They always like to say yes. Hour one in the books. Hour two coming at you. It's a business angle with Justin Angle. We're going to talk Coke, Pepsi, Super Bowl commercials, LeBron James, the economic impact of the spring football season getting canceled in Montana. And maybe a couple of the high-profile athletic director jobs that are opening up around the country as well. It's Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear